there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal! From Lord Bohedon! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. DPR could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing! Brian Roy has headed for his interlead! Wheelan. Oh, what a goal from Noel Wheelan! No power on it whatsoever! But Saibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh it No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score? I'm Chris Skull and welcome sadly to the end of Quickly Kevin bonus episode week. What a treat it has been to share with you some excerpts from old subscriber Quickly Kevin fan club episodes from down the years. Uh, Thank you so much for the positive feedback and all the social media, all that good stuff. It's been so wonderful to share all that good stuff with you. And thank you for your emails as well. Your emails have been lovely this week and I've got a call out this one. From Peter Lyons with the subject title, My Mother Was Steve Bruce's Maid. How can you resist an email like this? He says, Greetings, I thought this might be of interest to you. My mother Anne worked for a company called Merry Maids and was dispatched to Steve Bruce's house while he was manager of Birmingham City from 2001 to 2003. She would often arrive early in the morning to the site of Steve ironing for the entire family in just his boxer shorts. He would apologise for his appearance, but she said she didn't mind. I bet she didn't. The, that Adonis, Steve Bruce in his pants, ironing. Wow. What a, what a vision. He said that the task gave him a chance to de-stress and to also think about the day ahead. She also said that he was a very nice man, but had a stroppy teenage daughter. Hope you enjoyed that. All the best, Pete Lyons. Pete, if you've got any more like that, keep it coming in, mate. Hello at quicklykevin.com. We've had such a good time sharing with you these old bonus episodes, uh, the old excerpts from the Quickly Kevin fan club down the years and we've got another one for you today and i have to say we put this one to the vote and there was frankly an absolute runaway winner the three choices were quickly kevin will he scare chapter two of striker or mike bassett england manager and mike bassett has destroyed the field winning more than half the votes so we're going to drop in at that excerpt from a watch along today mike bassett genuinely i mean i'm going to talk about it in this episode but what a film this was. This uh, episode is recorded roughly, I think it was about May 2021. So do enjoy that. And once again, if you want this full episode, it is available for Quickly Kevin fan club members. I'm not asking for much for all these free content down the years. If you want to get access to a bit more, buy us a pint. Essentially, you can sign up for the Quickly Kevin fan club at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. And it's not just these little excerpts from bonus episodes. 
We're dropping in like 20, 30 minutes of episodes that are one hour long. So if you want to get the full experience, plus, like I say, years of content, join the Quickly Kevin fan club at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. Right, here you go. You've got another treat today. Mike Bassett, England manager. It's a Quickly Kevin film club special. Enjoy. We've all sat down to watch Mike Bassett, England manager. Uh, had you seen it before? Not only had I seen this before, I had it on DVD. Oh, for fuck's sake. I loved it. <laughs> like, uh, How often did you watch it? Uh, well, this is the thing about DVDs generally. Like, you'd only ever watch something, just because you had the DVD, you'd still probably only watch it two or three times. So I reckon yeah. I've watched it two or three times. Did you see this at the cinema? I don't think so. I don't remember. No, I think I've just got it on DVD. Did you, Michael? No, I remember it coming out, but I've I had never seen it until today. Oh, you've never seen it? No, no. You've never I think, seen um... it until today. And you're a wow. cinephile. Well, when I when it came out, I was in film school, and I think by that point, I was probably a bit pretentious and wanky, and I considered it beneath me. I don't think you need to be pretentious and wanky for that. <laughs> <laughs> I had. Um, like when I was at uni, I had one of those Cineworld mega passes where you like you pay a monthly fee and you can go as often as you like. Yeah. So I'd go and watch three or four films in a day, and I remember this being on one day and still going, "No, I don't. I don't think it's for me." It looked a bit like the Fat Les of football films. I just thought, well, oh. there is Keith Allen does crop up, obviously." <laughs> yeah. You must have been a nightmare for that Cineworld deal. I bet you was like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to the all, the, all you can eat and then basically bankrupts the restaurant. Um, I've met uh, Ricky Tomlinson. I did Would I Lie to You with Ricky Tomlinson. And he was a very nice man, but he... I, would you have edited this episode? I did edit that episode, yes. Yeah. So do you yeah. remember he told them a story about a weird way that he eats pot noodle? Yeah. And that that was his truth that he had to read out. They had a particular way that he eats pot noodle. And then for some reason, he just, he'd forgotten that he had a weird way he ate pot noodle. What? So he, so he just described how you would eat a pot noodle. <laughs> that's right, isn't it? That's basically what yeah, happened. Yeah, that's the sort of, I can't remember if it made it to air. I don't think it did. Because <laughs> I, I vividly, I was on the opposite team. And I remember Rob Bryden just going, just guess. It doesn't really matter. Is it true or false? No. <laughs> Truth or lie? My favourite Ricky Tomlinson anecdote, however, is um, I won't name the comedian because I don't know whether that's fair, but a comedian who I'd say is of some note, when he was coming up, he was comparing a gig and uh, Ricky Tomlinson was on, closing, previewing his tour, right? I don't know if you remember. There was a brief period, which was around this, when Ricky Tomlinson was... A real untouchable figure in UK kind of showbiz. So he'd, I don't think he had any history of stand-up, but he decided to do a stand-up tour. He was previewing at this comedy club, and this guy was comparing. Ricky Tomlinson said to him, "Um, when you bring me on, I I don't really have a set per se. I just kind of tell stories or whatever. So I might, like, run out of stuff. So would you be right to sit on stage as well? And... um, if I dry up, I'll just turn to you and you ask me questions and that'll set me off going again. Or, yeah. So the comic goes, uh, Ricky Tomlinson, ladies and gentlemen, gets a chair and sits directly behind him in view of the whole audience. And then Ricky Tomlinson just does an hour and a half straight through. <laughs> <laughs> totally unexplained why the compare has decided to sit on stage behind him. Throughout his head. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I think 
we should sum up what Mike Bassett Inglamander is for anyone. If you haven't seen it, it's available on YouTube. I, I, I watched it on Amazon. I don't know how YouTube watched it. Yeah, it is on YouTube, but you can... It's you on YouTube. Yeah, it's also on Amazon if you want the But hate I thought I need, someone needs to support them. <laughs> can I just say, terrible front cover. Like, Awful. My, I think Mike Bassett... We'll get into it. I think Mike Bassett is a great film, but the front cover is Mike Bassett with four different haircuts. Like, that bears no... Nothing... It's one of the worst covers. No relation, never comes up in the show. Never comes up in the show. It's totally random. But I think what it does is it really sets the thing that I didn't expect to happen, but more than anything else we've watched, Mike Bassett felt like a period piece of its time. It really vividly took me back to the atmosphere around football in 2001 when it came out. And that cover, which is him with... Gaza's haircut from Euro 96, David Beckham's kind of taxi driver style haircut that he had, it felt like a time. You know, at that point, David Beckham having a weird haircut felt outrageous. I know. There is a character in this film that's based on David Beckham. And you remember how David Beckham felt so outrageously showbiz and not like a footballer. But actually, looking back, compared to today, quite how mild David Beckham's lifestyle was. Is that fair? I think that the thing about David Beckham was that he was sensationally good looking, had such a celebrity lifestyle, had like unreal fashion sense, like a proper celebrity in every sense of the word, national icon, and then he would open his mouth. And that's what kind of they they parody in here. So there was such a gap between his voice, literally his voice, and everything else about the persona of David Beckham. It's an interesting film. You're, you, right, you're right you, about the North. Like it, When you said that, that it was like a period piece, it really did take me back to what 2000 was like. And you really, it, it struck, like, struck a lot of memories about that, the end of the Keegan era. And like, yeah. And what the old Wembley right at the very end. I remember going to an England game in like, I think it was 2000, right right towards the end, I went to an England game and there were weeds growing through like the steps up to the stadium. Like it was like, it was ready to fall apart. Yeah. And it, it really did just kind of like capture for me that where England were in the 2000s. And, and when I think about it in my mind, they, I think they use some clips from around England teams around that time. It's always raining. Yes, like, I was just thinking that. that do you think, and like, and, and the colours are all washed out. If you picture the nineties in England, it's that kind of glorious sun of Italian IE or Euro '96. You know, it felt like in the nineties, in England, were in a tournament. It was always sunny. <laughs> yes, but in those early two thousands, it felt like England beat Germany. That felt like it was rainy. It felt like England lost to Germany. That was raining. All those games in Japan and Korea didn't... I mean, the ones in the day, but, like, it wasn't the same scorching sun in the same no. way. Do you know what I mean? I, I, see, I remember England playing Finland, I think, or someone at Anfield, and it was just dre- torrential rain, and we had, like, that red rugby kit that would just soak yeah. up rain. It just rained. The early 2000s, for an England fan, feels like that no-man's land. Between the 90s, like, the, the heyday of sadness that the 90s was, and the golden generation of 2006. It felt like the early 2000s was that kind of yeah. nowhere between the two of them. I would argue that after England went out to Argentina at the World Cup in France in 1998, it then rained until Wayne Rooney made his debut. 
<laughs> and it didn't stop. Yeah. So what's that? It's worth pointing out, like when we said we were going to do this, a lot of people got in touch and said, not 90s, not 90s, not 90s. But like having not seen this before, it is a film that really does straddle that era, those two eras, because it's as much a kind of chamber piece about Graham Taylor and like the failure of England and that type of England manager as it is sort of ushering in that new breed of like celebrity footballer and the sort of antiquated 442 like English manager with the new advances that are coming in with yeah. the game. So it, it definitely feels like a 90s football film as much as it does a sort of 2000s football film. Yeah, because it's, it's it's a parody of the '90s manager hitting like by because to by 2000 this cut film comes out in uh, September 2001. By that point, you've got the new breed of football manager, like the money's in the game. But you also had this is the this is where the '90s butts up against the professional modern era of football. I've got a theory on this, Chris, which is that that Mike Bassett, England manager was like a slight wish fulfillment for people that weren't happy with the reality of the world in the way that, do you remember how Josiah Bartlett was a kind of, um, from the West Wing, the the president from the West Wing, was a kind of, for Democrats, that was a fantasy world they could disappear into during the presidency of George Bush. I feel like Mike Bassett, England manager, was a kind of fantasy that, old Brits that didn't like the way football was going could disappear into during Sven Goran Eriksson's reign, if you know what I mean. This, If you say this came out in September 2001, that's a month after England had beaten Germany 5-1. I think it's the same month. Is it the same month? We beat England, England beat Germany 5-1 the day before 9-11. No, September it wasn't the 10th. day before 9-11. I'm ninety nine percent sure. No, it wasn't because it was no, it was it was a few weeks before I went to uni. And nine eleven was three days before I went to yeah, uni. Yeah, it definitely it definitely wasn't. I know that because that was I got with my the person who would become my wife on the night of September the tenth, and when we woke up in the morning, uh, like nine eleven had happened. So basically, our anniversary every year was like was nine eleven. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think what surprised me though was like. He looks like Big Sam, obviously, uh, Ricky Tomlinson as Mike. We should briefly fill you in on the plot if you haven't seen it, which is Mike Bassett is the manager of Norwich and the England manager has a heart attack and they go to replace him, but none of the English managers in the Premier League want the job. So they drop down a division and choose Mike Bassett. I don't think they should have made him the manager of Norwich because it feels like... He's a smaller time manager than the manager of Norwich would be, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He wins what I presume is the Johnson Paint Trophy at the start. The Mr. Clutch Cup. The Mr. Clutch Cup. And then he takes the England job and it's fucking disastrous. And then they go to the World Cup and there's a happy ending, essentially. This is the story of one very proud Englishman. I first met Mike back in 1975. A loyal, steadfast family man. Just wish my dad could see me now. You know, he was he was like a father figure to me. About a year later, he got a free transfer to Plymouth and to Hull, Grimsby and dined. What was it that attracted you to him? The glamour. An unlikely hero who hailed from football's lower leagues and in their desperate hour of need answered his nation's call. A new manager to take us into the World Cup. So you know where we're going to have to start, Luke? Scandinavia. England. To command 
Christ. Center stage in the greatest game the world has ever known. A man with one ambition. To win the World Cup. But first, he has to qualify. Yes. We invented football and we gave it to the world. Well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bring it back. Put it away, sir! Mike Bassett, the master tactician. Old fashioned manager and the player simple. 4-4-2. formation. A man who's known football's highs. And it's lows. Well done, Poland. Terrible. Terrible shape. Terrible team. Unsettled. What sort of bloody injury is that? In order to be at one with the ball, you must ultimately become the ball. <laughs> but with a little help from elsewhere, Luxembourg are winning. He steers his team to the World Cup finals in Brazil. and supply his nation's flag with pride. Uh, England qualified. <laughs> Holding the team together with a combination of inspirational leadership and raw, bloody passion. But when it's time to be counted, when the chips are down, when the going gets tough... This is the last roll of the dice for Mike Bassett. Will Mike Bassett deliver? Taking Argentina on his past Mike Bassett, England manager. Oh, bollocks. I've shit myself. What were your overall feelings towards the movie, Michael, as the first-timer? Well, I didn't love it. I'm not going to lie. And it's one of those ones where I think perhaps I had to have seen it when it came out at a different point in my life to have a different relationship with it. But the sort of the main problem that I had was that all of the sort of funny moments were too close to the reality of what actually happened, just without the sort of pathos of it being real. There's a sort of these things that happened in real life. It's the same Graham Taylor or, you know, Beckham, as we've discussed. And they're sort of funny in hindsight. And because they were real, there was a real sense of jeopardy and drama. And then my other main issue was that there wasn't actually there was one gag in the entire film that wasn't telegraphed and wasn't sort of so, I mean, in the spirit of the times, so route one that you just knew before during the setup, you go, well, I know what the joke's going to be here. I know what the joke's going to be here. I know what the joke's going to be here. And it just felt like it felt very, very slight comedically. So apart from, uh, You'll be a mason. Uh, you'll be uh, the sort of you'll be a man, my son. You'll be a mason. Uh, sewing uh, grammatical yeah. error. I, I I genuinely didn't laugh once through the whole film. What, Michael? You're so joyless. This was sensational. I cannot believe uh, what I'm hearing. I didn't hate it. It flew by for me. Yeah, it was sort of nice. I was watching it. You know, I was wasn't having a terrible time. But it's supposed to be a kind of spinal tap esque fly on the wall comedy, yeah. and. The hit ratio of the gag for me was very, very thin. I think I, I'd say I'm a middle ground between uh, you two. I think, Chris, I think you're being outrageously positive. But <laughs> well, I, I did enjoy it more than Michael. I think, did you not enjoy the bit where he picked Benson and Hedges, Michael? Actually, you know what? That was the other thing I wrote down, Benson and Hedges. But even that, I saw it coming. But the woman who played whoever she was, the PA, 
sort of really made me tick. It really tickled me because it just reminded me of Julie from the Steve Barnes novels. So it got, <laughs> it got an extra chuckle. Maybe the reason I'm so impressed is because I had it on DVD. I my going into it, I thought I remember this being thinking it's really cheaply put together and actually it's it's kind of okay, but it would have been of its time. But actually, I thought watched it like the crowd scenes, the football scenes are really really good. I thought we always come, we always have to do a kind of yeah, and an I think analysis it's, of. An analysis of the football scenes, and I'd say these are definitely some of the best football scenes I've yeah. seen. And they were the things I thought were rubbish. What they do really well is they communicate a lot of the football action by not showing you the football action. Because it's made, it's clearly made by football fans who know that stuff's not important. Like because actually, it's a story about everything else. Yeah, like, you, you don't need it as much. Like I thought it was really clever how they. They they did some of that stuff, but there's the set pieces. I just pull out a few of my favourite jokes. One thing I wanted to say: this is a film, this, or just generally. <laughs> this came out in uh, September 2001, right? It's a mockumentary. It it was it was free, or so what's that? Three months after The Office, so yeah. it's actually well ahead of its time as well. Like comedically, some of the devices in here. I know we were a lot. It's a long time. <laughs> I enjoyed I mean, it, but I'd say well I'm going to dispute that. Is, I mean, the Ruttles came out in the 70s and Spinal Tap was in the early 80s. I, I, I think it's leaning on some tried and tested cinematic devices. Okay, fine. Um, uh, so what about this? I'll just pull out some of the things that really made me laugh. I wish my dad could see me now. He was like a father figure to me. That really made me laugh. Uh, when they talk about the, the, the defender who's absolutely mad, he doesn't take any prisoners. Well, unless he tortures them first and kills them later that really made me laugh yeah I, can um, we talk about the defender the thug yeah. defender can yeah. we also talk about the players not being in very good shape some of the people playing yeah. the players seem to be about 45 <laughs> and not you're like you're playing a football in a film go to the gym the biggest example of that is tonka who's playing the kind of gaza character who is yeah. 15 16 stone like he's visibly yeah. really overweight it's yeah. really difficult to believe. I enjoyed it. It flew by way more than a lot of these films we've watched. One of the things I thought that didn't quite work for me was you had Tonka the Gaza character. You know, when you watch Spinal Tap, it's not like, oh, this person is Jimmy Page. It's like, oh, this person is a character in their own right. There's an amalgamation of various people who've worked within rock and roll for the last 30 years. Yes, in Mike Bassett, yeah. it felt like people were literally they were the pro Evo. We couldn't clear the names versions <laughs> of. <laughs> so you were like, "That's David Beckham, that's Paul Gascoigne." Do you yeah. know what I mean? The Gaza character just felt like a really bad sketch show version of Gaza. If the spitting yeah. image puppet maker just had a really bad day and just sort of. <laughs> couldn't get anything close to Gaza. But I think this is where I think you're being harsh because it's it doesn't it's not take it doesn't take itself seriously at all this film. It's all done tongue in cheek. So even if it is, you know, it, this guy is a bit fat like but that's cuz everything's blown up like that it's a bit carry on, isn't it? Like it's that's 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 fine. I thought I thought that gave the the film a bit of warmth almost. But it wasn't taking itself seriously like that. I'm happy to be accused 
of overthinking Mike Bassett, England manager. <laughs> but, uh, but like another great example is Bradley Walsh is playing like an, a, a copy of Phil Neal in Do I Not Like That, which yeah. is like the that's, that, that is yeah, that, that's another example of someone who's playing a, a literal version of a real life figure. Yeah, and also I think it's worth pointing out about this film. Another reason it's great: it's got Pele in it. How does he always come up in the films and review? Every film we've watched has got that. fucking Pele in it. He's been in so many films, <laughs> and, it turns uh, out. Uh, one thing I'd love to, to hear your opinion on is... So we should the, say Pelé does, does a small cameo, doesn't he? Yeah, a little, little cameo. He's, I think he makes two appearances. But what is, what is your opinion? Because they, the, they get to the England team in the film, they get to the World Cup in Brazil. I actually think this was shot partly in Brazil. Am I mad? I was like, he's, some of the shots... He's definitely I like, shot in a sunny country. I don't know yeah. if it's Brazil. What do you think, Michael? Do you think I'd be amazed if it's shot yeah. in Brazil. I, I, I don't think they've got the, the production budget. <laughs> like At best, they've gone to the Canary Islands. Yeah, I think it's probably shot in Spain or something like that, right? I would say Pele's acting has got better over the decades. I think he delivers a very good performance. I think, obviously, he's got he's got less to nail than he did in um, Escape to Victory or the um, one where he plays Santos. I thought he was very good in it. I, I'd be interested to know if you had any negative skull because you seem to think this is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh... Um, I think what's quite interesting in it is I don't think we've watched a comedy before and there's a difficulty because normally with football films, anything that doesn't feel realistic, you instantly pick up on. But with the comedy element of it, it's a really difficult line to walk between doing stuff that's obviously funny and absurd, but then I'm watching it going, well, that wouldn't happen. Do you know, like, do you <laughs> well, know what I mean? Like, which I wouldn't have with other comedy films. I wouldn't have that with Spinal Tap. But for some reason, because it's football, I'm going, well, he'd be sent off for that. That's absurd. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. Well, there's one thing about the tone of the film, which is like it is partly a reflection on the pressures that England managers face. And you, so there's a few scenes where you see his family and you see his son getting bullied at school and you see eggs being thrown at his house. And Amanda like, Redmond. And Amanda Redmond. As always, it, it's not, excellent. And it's not, it's not funny. It's not like absurdly funny. You're actually like, oh, it's actually quite hard. And it like that, that just actually sent me in a tangent because I started making notes like, and we joke about it like, and it, like we all know English culture like the England manager job is one of the hardest jobs, but actually it must be awful. Like those scenes did yeah. make you think that, and actually those scenes in a way took away from the kind of the co- the comedy of the film because it was a bit like, oh, it's actually it must be really hard for someone who has that job in real life. I think the thing is, once you've watched the Graham Taylor documentary, it doesn't communicate the drama, obviously not. Do you know what? I think that Graham Taylor documentary I found so... is is so affecting, isn't it? It's so brutal. It's quite difficult to kind of say anything fresh on it. Do you know what I mean? But I do get what you mean. I think what's interesting about it, the character of Mike Bassett, and I say it, I didn't particularly like him. Oh, what? What? So I enjoyed the movie, but I actually thought I'd fucking hate it if you were the England manager. You're, <laughs> shit, you're a shit manager. <laughs> Come on. I was like, 
oh, this would be awful if my if my brother was England manager, it'd be rubbish. But he's he he is. I think he is an amalgamation of all those. Like, I don't think he's based on one. He is an amalgamation of all these nineties managers, these old school. Like my, one of my favorite scenes in that in the whole movie is probably the most famous, the halftime rant. And I'm going to make. The I request. think that was an excellent. I think that was an excellent scene. I will give you that. Okay, I think the audio from that is really funny. Could we drop the audio in, Michael? Half time in La Bombonera Stadium and England trail Mexico by two goals to nil. Have you heard what the crowd is shouting? Bastards are bastards are bastards are They shouldn't be shouting at me. They should be shouting at you. And do you know why? Because it's in half time and we're two nil down to the Mexicans. Wrong with it. Get your fingers out. Where's your bottle gun? I can't pay attention. Talking to you. If you don't want to wear the shit off, there's thousands of kids out there who die to put that shit on. Back on the field, show me what you can do, or off home on the plane. You got that? England lose 4 0. One thing that really made me laugh is that the part one is on YouTube, and the top comment on part one, someone said, This should be renamed Sam Allardyce, England manager. And yeah, I thought, yeah, that halftime scene where he's ranting—you can just imagine Big Sam doing that. Well, he looks like Big Sam. Obviously, he's from a similar area to Big Sam in the north, or where Big Sam lives now, in the northwest. As two people that would quite like Big Sam as the England manager, would have liked Big Sam as the England manager. Would have past tense. Okay. Not current. Right. Well, you've just seen what he's done at West Brom and thought, nah. Actually, I've changed, I've changed my mind. Uh, I, th- I think there was a perfect storm when he would have been effective, and that, that time has now passed. So watching this, did it make you wish that Big Sam had stayed as England manager? Did it make you wish that we had this kind of England manager? Well, I, I think to answer that, I have to separate the fact that you saw Big Sam in uh, Mike Bassett because because that, that does a disservice to Big Sam as far as I'm concerned. Oh, okay. Obviously, it would have been horrible to have a Mike Bassett-style England manager. Uh, I think Big Sam would have got to the final of the World Cup. I, I stand by it. I will happily die on that hill. <laughs> but it, it definitely sort of made me... Like, the interesting thing about watching this film, it was as much about then off the back of it kind of going away and, like, researching and remembering my relationship with football around this time yeah. for sort of Euro 2000 and um, World Cup 2002. Because I think if I if I really, if I'm honest about it, I, like that was when I fell out of love with not football, but like international football for probably yeah. about 15 years. I think it was a sort of one-two combo of Euro 2000 did the damage basically when Phil Neville gave away that penalty. Oh, Euro 2000. And, and I, was, I don't think I've ever wanted anything more in football than Nigel Martin to save that penalty to sort of like make up for the fact that he had not had a good game and the fact that he had to come on at the last minute for David Seaman. And when it didn't happen, something sort of was lost in me with my relationship with football. I was like, oh, this is this is always going to be rubbish. Like this, this is always going to hurt. And then when the World Cup 2002 came along and obviously Sven had come in and we'd beaten Germany 5-1 and there was a sort of genuine hope for the future. Beckham's goal against Greece was sort of one of the most triumphant moments in my life, kind of watching football and the sort of euphoria around that. And then when Seaman got beaten by Ronaldinho, I just sort of, all of the air came out of me 
Yeah. And then I sort of spent probably my 20s and early 30s sort of in a weird wilderness as an international football fan where I'd watch the Even games, watch the tournaments. Well, I loved the tournament, but my sort of investment in England had really disappeared and it was much much I mean I've always been club over country but this was like even more so until Euro 2016 and then I, uh, it sort of reinvigorated after that do you mean World Cup but, 2018 uh no 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 before that like when we went to the Euros me you and oh, Tom yeah. Crane it sort of like reignited the sort of I mean it's not because of going to watch England I might say but just that sense of international football having like more to it than England yeah. failing but going back over those and going oh god it wasn't like it wasn't enjoyable. It's 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 never been enjoyable. If anything, it's sort yeah. of it's just relentlessly heartbreaking. It's like being in a marriage you know is never going to make you happy. Do you think the two thousands, if we'd just been younger, the two thousands would have felt to us like supporting England in the nineties did? Because yeah, maybe to me, France ninety eight and Euro ninety six and Italia ninety, despite being defeat. They feel like they're glorious. Whereas I feel like 2006, it feels like a really crap performance by a team that should have done better. 2000 was shit. 2002 doesn't feel particularly... Like there was no glorious defeat even. I had the similar thing, I think, maybe with 2000. 2002, I was really into. 2004 was good, was really good. But I, and I mean this, in 2006... I was certain we were going to win the World Cup. (laughs) Like, it felt 100% destiny that we were going to win the World Cup. I just knew we were going to win the World Cup. It felt like the team was the right age. It felt like it was in Europe. How old would I have been? 23. I just believed... I just believed it was inevitable. And then we scored five minutes into the first game. And I just thought... Yes, we're going We're going to win the World Cup. I can't believe we're going to win the World Cup. And then we didn't just not win the World Cup. We were absolute dog shit in getting to the quarterfinals throughout. Did you have that experience with 2006? Was that just me? I think I think probably the age difference, like because I'm a few years older, not many, but like I would have been the same age you were in 2006, in 2002. Yeah. Maybe early 20s. Like you probably lose something in terms of like your priorities with life. Like you're, you're yeah. leaving university, you're, you're sort of building a career. And the place that football had in your life, it can sometimes take a bit of a back seat. So for me, 2002 was like, that was my disappointment. I remember watching the Denmark game when we won 3-0. And I thought, we're going to win the World Cup after that game. Like, and it was, I know it was only Denmark, but there was such a sense of like, the first time in my, in my adult life, I'd seen a really good knockout tournament performance but and i also thought like if you're going to play brazil you want to play them early in the tournament like you don't want that let, let them build ahead of steam and you know we had michael owen who was kind of terrorizing defenses so so that sort of last bit of hope and optimism before i think adult life just kind of <laughs> slaps you about and teaches <laughs> you like no 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 it doesn't it doesn't work like this we are, we are going to grind it out of you that was my sort of last watershed tournament I'm desperate to hear Skull go. So I've just been really positive throughout England for the last 30 years. There you go. That's a little excerpt from Mike Bassett. Once again, you're only getting about 20, 30 minutes of that episode if you want to get the full experience. Plus, another benefit of joining the Quickly Kimmo fan club. I'm going to whisper this. Keep it. This is just between me and you. You also get access to pre-sale tickets should a Quickly Kevin show be announced. 
That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say for now. If you want to sign up for the Quickly Kevin fan club, you can join us at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin, where we've just started the third Steve Bruce murder mystery book with Matt Ford doing the voices. If you want to sign up, if you want to get all that, you know what to do. The link's in the description. I'm not going to bang on about it, but buy us a pint for God's sake. Right. Great news. We've loved doing these bonus episodes and we're going to do a few more. There's four weeks, we reckon, until the new series of Quickly Kevin starts with Sir Gary Lineker. So between now and then, over the next four weeks, we'll drop in old bonus episodes on Monday. We might put them to the vote. We'll see how we feel. The last vote went quite well. We'll see. We've got loads of votes on that. We might do it again. Who knows? Um, So do pay attention to the feed. Thank you so much for all your emails. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday with another excerpt. Until then... Thank you for listening, and Robbie Slater, see you later. The world may not be shaking, yeah, but you might prove them wrong.